0: So okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, was out in a PG uh, PG 13 fashion. Um, what made you mad this week? My kids
1: <laughs> you love your kids.
0: Did anybody ever tell you that parenting is a life sentence? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a life sentence. Yep. No, no periods at the end of that sentence. It just keeps on going. What made you mad this week? My job. Your job? Really? What about it? My co your co-workers? <laughs> they're, so, I, they're so annoying, aren't they? <laughs> I know. My balance it only yet.
1: takes one. Oh! <laughs> That's right. Wait, well, hey, wait, bring it back.
0: Was that a cleaning materials or something? Uh, <laughs> I got her a bag of
1: kettle corn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, my first really good attempt at marriage humor was when we were first married and we didn't have a broom. Katie wanted a broom. I said, I'll, I'll buy you a broom as long as you promise not to ride it in the <laughs> house. <laughs> I thought it was funny. She didn't think it was funny. Isn't that great? That's good humor right there. Come on. It is, yeah That's a, I think 98 point seven percent of everybody driving on the road made me angry. I realized that the cab of my truck is a no Jesus zone I just I'm glad the windows are up. I do know people can read lips, and so it's not been great. So, what else made you mad this week?
1: A 100 pound puppy having diarrhea all over.
2: Oh.
3: <laughs> you're
1: the winner. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Parents making excuses for their students. Oh, right. And then you look like you're lying about their behavior. Oh, no. Because kidding. nobody was, wit- was there to witness it, so. As a teacher, I kind of looked, I said, well, I ain't got time to be making excuses for your children, Yeah. so why would I even waste my time? Yeah. God, this is a behavior. This
0: is here's, what, here's what us teachers know about students behind every wacky kid is a wacky parent. <laughs> right? When a kid is bouncing off the walls in the morning at school, my first question was, dude, what happened at home today? And they're going to tell you a little story, and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, your parent is the one who needs to be slapped, not you. Yeah. Bill? Oh, that six-inch putt I missed. Oh! How far did you throw the putter?
1: I didn't throw
0: the Oh, okay.
1: I didn't cut my mouth shut. No way! Inside, I didn't. Oh, okay, yeah.
0: Your internal mouth is going off hard. Yeah. Is that it? Are you guys all so nice? You just have really pleasant... Week? was a good week. Mine are most of those combined You're just quietly seconding everybody's things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: When you work so hard to become like an American citizen and you work for the government and you say out of the blue a dollars hundred and eighty thousand dollars is down the drain in about a week mistake.
0: Oh, no way.
3: And they say, oh, don't worry, your, your, your tax is gonna pay for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, $180,000. Yeah, I've seen that happen where I work. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Yep, <coughs> several million dollars worth of equipment getting wet that mm-hmm. should not have gotten wet. It's like, yeah, hey, we'll just buy some new stuff. It's like, oh, great. Well, that's it. Is that it. You guys are happy. No, nothing. Uh, nothing made you mad. How about your wife's husbands? I'm not trying to get too deep here, but hey. That was normal. Normal. Ra- ra- Raise your hand if somebody near and dear to you maybe you're angry this week. Yes, that's right. Oh, like nobody's doing it. They're all looking at each other. That's right. I'm
1: yeah.
0: Oh, here we go. Raise your hand if you made somebody mad this week. That's easier. Thank you. All right. Um, So we're going to be in Matthew 5 uh, today, verses 21 through 37. We were going to get through uh, murder and adultery and divorce and oaths, but we just got stuck on anger today. Um, And so we're going to do that first part. Uh, I don't know... About you, but the world—don't you think the world we're living in is getting angrier and angrier? Yeah. Um, you know, as, as polarization comes, and here's it—here's a, a couple things that I've noticed. We're, somebody just talked about that today. But we know way more in our time than any other generation knew. We've got more news, we've got more dirt, we've got more <clears throat> impending doom. We've got more stuff that, you know, it would have taken three, four months to get in the newspaper back in the day. And now we know it almost before it happens. And so we carry, I I think that society is more preloaded emotionally than it's ever been. I think we carry uh, more angst than we ever have. I don't think we're built for this. I really don't, and it's evidenced by uh, the fact that people like you and I are, are at t- near the top of our capacity, right? If I always picture this little paint can that's full of anger or whatever emotion that is, right? One drop, and it's going to spill over, and so I think we're all kind of preloaded this way, and so um, I think we're going to find out through the scriptures today is that, uh, that anger is a bad thing, uh, in so many ways, especially anger towards your brother or sister in Christ, which is the context of this thing today. And we're going to have to figure out some ways to chill out, some ways to not know. I mean, ignorance is bliss many times. And there's all that pressure to have to know all the time. We had the news on the other day. We haven't had TV forever. And we got TV, and we had like Fox News on for about... Uh, 20 minutes, in case oh, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Turn it off. Because there's, everybody's, everybody's kind of, you know, just low boil angry all the time, no matter what side of the political fence you're on, but it's still the same kind of thing. And so I'm, I'm wondering if step one is to disconnect a little bit. Uh, I don't know about you, but there's enough to deal with in just daily life that I don't need to carry all that stuff along with me. So maybe uh, maybe that's step one. Okay, let's read the scripture and see what we do. Um, <clears throat> Jesus, doing as he does, turns the thing up to like 11 on a scale of 1 to 10. He says, Now you've heard it was said to people long ago, You shall not murder And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, which means worthless, uh, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Notice, can we just stop there, because i don't have to spend a lot of time on this. If you notice that your brother and, or sister has something against you, this requires that you be conscious of how you're peeving people off. That you know that it's not their problem, that they're angry with you. It is also your problem, and it's probably more your problem than their problem. So if you remember that somebody has something against you, Then go make it right, he says, right? Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with them, and then come and offer your gift. Uh, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court, and do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. Truly, I tell you, uh, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. All right, so we should know right up front that what Jesus is giving us here is not good advice, Um, nor is it a curious or fresh take on Jewish law. What he's saying is the actual, the real point of what God has been getting at all along. Now, my theological statement, you've heard it a million times, is that Jesus came to give definition to what God had been talking about all along. So as we read this, <clears throat> it should be as the way God actually rolls. So we know from the Ten Commandments, um, and they knew that we are not supposed to murder somebody. That's kind of like okay, we get that. Um, the word translated in many translations is kill. It says uh, usually it's like thou shalt not kill, but that is not appropriate. The word is murder. And by definition, murder means to kill someone unjustly. And in our culture's definition, a modern definition is murder is unlawfully killing a person, especially with malice aforethought. Now, the same God who gave us this command led his people into battle where they killed a lot of people. So, in the scriptures, according to what God thinks, And what God says, there is a difference between murder and killing. Now, in our modern Christianity, that has been muddied very much. And if you are of the uh, more pacifist ilk, that's also muddy for you. And I'm not saying that's bad, because there's a lot of room for that in Scripture. Uh, What was that movie that was so good? The Kid in the War.
1: Yeah, The Medic.
0: Shrek. (laughs) 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 Shrek. Kind of a war. Was it Hacksaw Hacksaw Ridge? Ridge. (laughs) That was (laughs) good. If there's ever been a way to pull off your pacifism in a positive and constructive way, boy, that was awesome. I thought, what? That kid had more guts than. Oh, my word. Anyway, so cool. I mean, I'm not on the same page as him with all this stuff, but that was really cool. All right. So the scriptures make a, make a differentiation between murder and killing. In uh, Genesis 9, 6, and in Numbers 35, and in different places, the Lord talks about putting a murderer to death. So if somebody commits murder, they are killed. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I only bring this up because there's confusion. Murder is premeditated. Killing isn't an unfortunate consequence of crime or war or accident now in the old testament there's all these places where it talks about cities of refuge so if you accidentally kill somebody and i I love the scripture i was reading it this morning it gives an example if perhaps you're cutting down a tree and the head of your axe flies off and kills somebody you can run to one of these cities of refuge so that that person's family doesn't come and murder you it's like, okay, I killed the guy, it was an accident, and then they're going to murder me because that happened. So you can go to these cities of refuge. Stay there for a while, until everything cools off, come back, hopefully everything's all right. Um, <clears throat> so it's really interesting. The scriptures say, uh, by the way, exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: Such a great sound. Um, the scriptures say that Jesus was killed, not murdered. Interesting. Um, now, there's two words and two different ideas. As a consequence of our sin, death was to be ours. So D- Jesus took our death consequence upon himself. And because murder is a matter of heart motivation, you could actually say that the Jewish leaders of the day were guilty of murder. Because they, with malice of, a, of a forethought and intent, they saw to it that Jesus was killed. So, scripture says he was killed, but the Jewish leaders of the day committed murder. If that makes sense. <clears throat> All right. All right. Meanwhile, back in the text, Jesus says <coughs> I'll get this, <coughs> I'll get it out <coughs> uh, that hating your brother or sister is tantamount to murder. It said, it has been said that the law dealt with behavior. And the gospel deals with matters of the heart that precede behavior. But Jesus came to fulfill the law. And as luck would have it, the law actually says this in Leviticus 19, 16 through 18. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. See, and God's intent from the get-go was about the heart. <clears throat> Deuteronomy uh, 6, 4-6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. All of your soul and all of your strength. And then he said, He gave these commandments, right? He says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So God's intent from the beginning was that our hearts would be His. And over time, and through, through people like the Pharisees, all of Judaism became this external thing about doing the right things, not really counting the motivations behind it. It said that in, in the day, back in the day, a Jewish person would come home at the end of the day, and they would recount the their acts of the day, the things they did, to determine whether they had sinned or not, never taking into account the motivations that maybe weren't carried out, but still were lingering and hanging in there. so the word angry in our context today is really an interesting word it means angry (laughs) so deep so you know the question comes up how can being angry with someone be the same as murder well let's go over to matthew 15 Um, jesus says listen and understand what defiles a person is not what goes into the mouth. It is what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. And when the disciples came to him and said, do you know that when the Pharisees heard this saying, they were offended? And he replied, every plant that my heavenly Father did not plant will be uprooted. Oh, thanks, man. I'm dying. I appreciate that. You know, I had one of those little eclairs out there. I think about it killed me <clears throat> Tasted <laughs> great but... <clears throat> Alright <clears throat> I can't even drink water right <clears throat> Alright The disciple said uh, You know what you said uh, The Pharisees are offended He replied every plant that my heavenly father did not plant Will be uprooted Ooh that's mean words towards them Leave them, they're blind guides. If someone who is blind leads another who is blind, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. And Jesus said, Even after this, are you still so foolish? Uh-oh, he used that word. Um, Don't you understand that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and then passes out into the sewer? But the things that come out of the mouth come out of, come from the heart. These are the things that defile a person. For out of the heart come evil ideas, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, testimonies, uh, false testimony, slander. These are the things that defile a person. It's not eating with unwashed hands that defiles a person. And though the, the Pharisees were the driving theologians of the day, <clears throat> they were the ultimate in keeping up appearances while being rotten on the inside. They had no share in God's righteousness or his holiness, or in this case, A holy anger that is as clean as God's remember what Paul wrote be angry but do not sin right or in your anger do not sin Um, and and he says uh, don't let the Sun go down in your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity so our anger tends to ignite our flesh making our world very small and self-focused now being angry is not wrong Being angry where your flesh doesn't take charge and where you're not opened up to devil influences is hard. Now, If you're like me, uh, because I am so high and mighty, uh, my fundamental uh, assumption is that my anger is justified. Meaning it's based on a higher truth standard and therefore more righteous than the wrong that is being committed before me right now. The honest version is, is our personal often momentary set of tolerable parameters have been breached. And we reckon that as a universal injustice. Anybody with half a brain knows that you and God have both been offended and somebody's gotta make this right. And since you're there, Of course, you're the chosen one. Uh, I will admit, I bought an air horn for my truck. (laughs) I haven't installed it yet. (laughs) And after this sermon, I'm not sure. If I use it for comedy purposes, that that could be different. I, (laughs) I got an unused air horn. (laughs) <laughs> <to> Sale. <laughs> all right. Um, of course, yeah, you're there. You're the chosen one. So, your strident words, your dirty look, your threatening posture, your accusation, your threats, and your middle finger are all actions ordained from heaven. Of course, because you're acting on God's behalf, after all, right? Protecting all that is good and righteous by making the perpetrator pay the price for their intentional and direct <clears throat> sin against you and God, of course. Now, if you call somebody raka, it says you're answerable to civil court. That means worthless. And if you call someone a fool, you're in danger of hell. That's strong words. This should tell us that this is a big deal for the Lord. Um, from my favorite study site, Precept Austin, he says, uh, Raka appears often in, rabbin- in the rabbinic literature. The idea is that of an empty head or a numb skull or worthless or one who thinks like a donkey. <laughs> in other words. <clears throat> it's a term of utter vilification. Uh, in that sense, Raka expresses the dehumanizing concept which seeks to strip the person of their dignity by viewing them as worthless. That's right. Fool, in the same passage, means downright, uh, a downright and wicked and reprobate person. So, I mean, come on, doesn't God know the sticks and stones rules? Uh, it must be that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is true. This is a fact. So calling someone worthless or a fool indicates that the heart of Christ is not present or at least not in control of the speaker's heart at that moment or maybe over a longer period of time. And it must be that those words violate God's value of his children and his creation. He's talking about, of course, our brothers and sisters here, fellow believers. This is within the context of the body of Christ. So anger is something we are not very good at, and the overflow of our anger is something that brings death words to one that Jesus is desperately giving life to. Um, I guess it's best if we decide maybe it's just to let more things go to let god worry about things a little more than we do uh i've never seen the whole movie and i've never heard the whole song but that little song in frozen let it go let it go is a great one to keep in the back of your skull <clears throat> because when somebody does something that it starts you know you feel it right it starts somewhere down here and the heat starts rising. Some of us turn red, Uh, some of us get all scowly and weird. And if you get to start singing that little Disney tune to yourself, let it go, let it go, uh, you might be able to avoid getting (laughs) captured by that moment of anger. Now, one of the things, I don't know why songs always come to my head, but um, typically when we're angry like this, right, it becomes something, our worlds get really tiny because it's all about me and what I can see. And so i sing, it's a small world, <laughs> Disney. Disney again. They didn't know how spiritual they were. <laughs> so yet at times, right, <clears throat> we gotta admit it, it's, a, it's a tall order to, to let things go because Christians do some pretty terrible things to each other. And it's actually shocking to me the things Christians do to each other. If you'll just let your memory uh, refresh for a second, you'll remember some of the horrors that you've been on the receiving end of and the giving end of. And let's just say it out loud, there are moral evils Christians exact upon one another that merit, that merit some serious holy anger. So, if we are not to sin in our justified anger, what are we to do about it? Uh, brother Paul tells us that if a sister or brother is caught up in a sin, caught the, the scripture says caught in a sin, but it means caught up in a sin, um, that we're to restore them gently, being careful because <laughs> It's easy for us to get tempted to sin in that restoration process. And you'll know that you fall into temptation here when you feel like you must make the offender pay for their wrongdoing. And we do this in such devious and crafty ways, don't we? I don't know about you, but I've, I've been on the receiving end so much. I'm sure I've given and I'm just not conscious of it, which is a problem, of making people pay for their wrongdoings with just, you know, subtle subversive things that you do. I, I remember uh, when, oh, when I was a little kid, my brother made me really mad. My, we, my parents made us make our beds every day, right? So you get up and you make your bed first thing. And I'd go up and I'd just tear his side of the room up because he made me mad about something. You know, unmake his bed and all that stuff. I'm like, you know, it's, that's really childish, but we do things like that as adults. think about it Um, so you'll know that you've fallen into the temptation that paul warns us about if you feel like you've got to make the offender pay for their wrongdoing so it's not about that it's about restoration not retribution the moment we step into making someone pay for their sin we step into god's place and again we are terrible at doing god's work our judgments mostly lack mercy, they lack grace, they lack love. So yeah, we, we should let God do his work, and we should settle into being wronged and deal with it. Um, but I digress a little bit, because maybe we should just go, go to here. How about this? Let's just stop making each other mad, and stop getting mad at things that don't merit anger. I mean, it's okay to give yourself permission to just like, yeah, that doesn't merit me being angry at all. You know, and uh, one of the things we talked about in in our coaching and counseling is that this crazy little term called of course. When things don't go right, if you were to think it back a few steps, you're like, well, of course it didn't go right because this is what went into it. This is the natural outcome of all of that, right? When you're working, to me, Inanimate objects are the thing that send me off the rails. Working on a thing, a, a house, a car, bike, whatever it is, throwing wrenches, saying flowery words. Um, of course, it's a it's a stupid machine. It has no will. It's just sitting there, waiting to ruin my life, and I know it. So I should just get used to that, right? It's like why why get so torqued on this thing. What is just there? This is what they do. This is what machines do. They break at the wrong time and they're impossible to fix because your hands are not little tiny third grader hands that can fit back in these places that are not designed to fit. And I'm not paying somebody $2,000 to get their little third grade hand up in there. I will do without it. That's right. Who needs a heater? So, um, now because, again, because our, uh, our anger is e- equated with murder, we have to know this is a big deal, and I, I'll just be honest with you, I, this is a, too big of a thing that, for us to really cover in one hangout session this is the kind of thing where you and I, especially if you struggle with this, if this is a thing for you, that we have to start going back to what we know and who we know Jesus to be. Amen. And going back to his word, which we know makes things happen. Right? So, you know... The, the the natural thing is to go, I'm going to go read every scripture there is on how to not be angry. It's like, no, that's okay. But why don't we go read the scriptures that teach us how to be and how to roll and where this the peace of Christ comes in and how, how to engage with Jesus in a way that takes us further from our flesh and further from the anger that is typically born in our flesh and and acted out in our flesh and how do we find places where we can just breathe in the Holy Spirit and find the peace that we need in these times where we just want to explode and kill someone. Not murder kill. Um, Galatians uh, 5 could could be one of those. Um, Start in verse 13. You my brothers and sisters We're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you're not to do whatever you want. But you are, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the law. And the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, and hatred, and discord, and jealousy, and fits of rage. Um, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, and joy, and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Um, So, you know, who we are is not that. Who we are is more. And I I just, I, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around the bigness of this and how big of a deal it is to Jesus. And how it goes back to the original, uh, that God wanted our hearts from the get-go. And there's certain things that you and I tend to hold for ourselves. And the things that we get really angry at are typically the things that we hold for ourselves. We've been keeping those Away from reckoning to the Holy Spirit, and so it's it's one of those things where you know if, if you've got a thing, you got a pet thing, you got a thing that's gets you over and over again, man. That's the thing you got to say, Lord, this has got to be yours because this is killing me. Pops, you had some?
2: Never brother Foster. Now, if we're look- on Matthew chapter 5, right, and it says the, the attitudes. right? Now, I believe that it is our attitude <coughs> from day to day that we display upon this earth will be able to take us through not by ourselves, but by loving Jesus Christ. And doing what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, <coughs> for there is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Now, if a person does not put himself or herself <coughs> in the place to be blessed by God, that person or those people will not be blessed by God. So, In my opinion, how I believe it, the attitudes simply means (coughs) the beautiful attitude that we must have each day in order to (coughs) serve
0: God.
2: If we get up with a comfort attitude, oh, I don't like this, oh, this one is against me. No. Even when we find ourselves (coughs) in trouble, our attitude before God must be okay
0: with him. Ooh, Well said, brother. All right. Reach it. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the Beatitudes don't say, blessed are the angry. but they will, Yeah. They will dominate and whatever. Anyway. Um, I, you know what? I hope you're thinking about this because some of us uh, struggle with this as, a, as just a way of being. You know, nobody wants to live in the same house as somebody who's just angry all the time. Where is you out? Tiptoe, eggshells. Yep. Oh, man. You know, how, how lovable are you when you're just always bitter? Really hard to love. And it's the thing that we, we want, but our anger prohibits it because nobody wants to, nobody wants to get bitten. You know? <laughs> It's like the dog that, you know, the dog that's just all nasty, you just throw throw food out every now and then, but you don't go near it. It's gonna bite you. Alright. All right. So, this brings up another question, though. What do we do about anger toward people that aren't in the body of Christ? We can rip them. Oh my god. So cool. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> James in 3-9. Speaking of the tongue what we say he says with it we bless the Lord and Father and with it we curse people made in God's image do you know that that verse comes to my mind every time I cuss somebody out on the road (laughs) after (laughs) I'm hoping before I'm hoping we're getting there because you know what that is true right how, what kind of uh, Jesus-y person am I if I am cursing someone that God is made in God's image? I'm like, whoa, that ups the ante quite a bit. That's that's, that's it. That's a fact. That's a thing. That's real deal right there. So now I got to be nice to people who aren't Christians too. I'm like, oh, uh. no. Right. But. Here's the thing. I can't help but think how much more enjoyable life would be if I wasn't obligated to my anger. How different would it be if I included myself into the truth that was just violated that ignited my anger? What kind of changes would I experience in my heart if I thought of others as better than myself And realize that they are made in God's image just like me. And then James tells us at the beginning of his letter, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Right? So... um, well, i keep going. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, do it says. So in my experience, anger comes uh, primarily from two roots. One is my over-occupation with myself and what I want. Right? Even though I'm still under the impression that I have some universal God thing going here that people are violating. It's not true what's true is i have a thing this is what i want and that's where my anger is born out of not getting that to happen small world um lots of wants the second one thing is something that i'm afraid of and i'm not sure which comes first both of these conspire to cause anger at least in me and it's not very righteous uh if righteous at all <clears throat> So what I'm trying to do, for me in my internal language, is honestly, I'm, not, I'm trying not to care about so much stuff. So much happens that I think I have to opine on. That person's driving this way. That person is doing this. And this person said that. And this person and this person. And somewhere in my pathetic little psyche, I think I have to have an opinion on it. I don't. There's a whole bunch of stuff I do not have to care about. And in this day and age of over-information, I think it's a pretty decent idea to not have to care about stuff. It's like, yeah, you can think what you want, that's fine. And, and this is so cool, right? Where did our religious arguments come from, right? We get all bitter and angry. We just extinguished all of those. Agree on, say the same thing here about Jesus' death and resurrection according to the Scripture. And then here's what the Scriptures say. We're like, woo! We just got relieved of duty. Fantastic. I no longer have to be the theological sentinel at the door, checking your status as you walk in, because we've all agreed that we're going to agree on Jesus' death and resurrection and who he is, according to the scriptures. So good. Okay. um, Where were we? Where were we? Oh. um, Yeah, I I don't want to care about, there's a lot of small stuff I don't want to care about, and there's also a lot of big stuff I don't want to care about. And you know, in our politically charged uh, culture, we're all carrying in an overabundant way about who's elected and who's saying what and all that stuff. And it's like, we have to remind ourselves over and over again, who, uh, whoever our, whatever, government person, president, supervisor, uh, governor, wh- these people are chosen by God, not me. I'm challenged as American to put my vote in. But after that, I'm like, hands off. This is yours, Lord. We'll just deal with it, right? People have dealt with a lot more, really, right? Yeah. Um, Anyway. Um, So I got to know that God has me well in hand and he has others in hand too. And if I'm able to trust him with situations and with people, I might actually be able to love Rather than hate. And draw folks in rather than push them away. I've asked Chris to come and read a passage out of Philippians for us to to close this off.
3: The closing text this morning is from the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 18. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. If you want to know why, just ask me about it sometime. (laughs) Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy.